Hello, and welcome to Start By Listening, the podcast about sexual harm. We are centered on educating and empowering our Western Kentucky communities. Our goal is to transform the way we talk about sexual harm. Transformation begins by listening to understand. We talk so you can listen today and change the world tomorrow. Well, hey there, y'all. Welcome back to Start By Listening. I'm here today with my co-pilot, aka my co-worker, Marcy Voris, and we are here today to bring back the topic of trust. Um, and if you tuned in a few weeks ago, we talked about what is trust. We talked about what mistrust is and kind of got into a little segue of a little rabbit hole. And it was a really great conversation. I really liked it. And uh, today um, I'm still working from home a little bit. So if you hear dogs barking or a bird flying into the window, please know that it's okay. Um, Marcy, I think you're at the office today. I am. So um, Lola, my dog, should not start barking <laughs> in the middle like she did last time. <laughs> oh, yes. Her nervous system, I think we had said, did not like somebody coming into the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, you know, the past few days have been just gorgeous here in Kentucky. We've been in the high 60s and low 70s. And um, I think all of that is getting ready to change. I think it's going to be colder today, but it's still pretty sunny out so mm-hmm. yeah I'm looking out my window and I can see my neighbor's beautiful red bushes and my tree in the front yard which is um, a maple her name is Penelope she has dropped all of her leaves so she is now bare and naked um, and the grass is starting to you know turn that yellowish brown color mm-hmm. and it's I still see some evergreens across the way. But yeah, it's like everything is just kind of allowing nature to happen and prepare for a dormancy or a hibernation. And I just love looking out this window in this space. It just really um, makes my nervous system just feel nice and safe and connected to nature. And especially, I think it's important to be anchored in that nice, yummy, ventral energy when we're talking about a subject that can sometimes cause our nervous system to go into that sympathetic response of fight or flight or freeze or fawn or even lower on our ladder into the dorsal, which is that I call it the possum, where we just kind of curl up and, you know, play dead to survive. Um, Because trust, as we both found out last week, is really hard to understand, to conceptualize, to, well, gosh, it's just so abstract. Yes. <clears throat> and you know when you're mentioning the possum like I think 
about the times in my life where I've had um, broken trust Mm. and um, was pretty down in, in, in that dorsal feeling like I had lost a lot because Mm -hmm. trusting others is hard. And when that's broken, I mean, it really can have an effect on us. Mm. Yes, it can. And as you were talking, like I noticed my nervous system kind of dipped a little um, into a dorsal space because I too was recounting some really important relationships in my past where I really felt betrayed um, and violated by the lack of trust that I had given too freely and how that just kind of got smooshed. Yeah, that's the word that's coming to me. Yeah. And And I like that you said given too freely. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because I mean, I don't know about you, but growing up, I didn't learn about trust. Uh, that was not taught in school. My parents didn't talk about it. It was, um, if you're in trouble, go find, like I said last time, go find a law enforcement, go find a firefighter, go find a store worker, and they will help you. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Uh, it oh, and there was also, <laughs> this is great, first grade. My babysitter had this book and it was about child abuse. And I wish I remembered the name of it, but it showed a picture, the story of this little boy who got into this van and we don't know what happened to him, except the next page he's out on the corner and he's got bruises all over him and his clothing is all disheveled. I mean, I can, as an adult now, figure out what happened, right? Mm -hmm. Don't trust strangers. And you know what, if it was only so easy that it's just strangers we don't need to trust, or if it's strangers that are going to be the ones that hurt us, Mm -hmm. when we as adults know that it's usually the people that we know and that we have some type of relationship with, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's 90% of those that have been victimized with sexual harm um, have known who their perpetrator was. Yeah, it's people that we're told to trust. It's moms, it's dads, it's brothers, it's sisters, grandfathers, grandmothers, uncles, aunts, pastors, coaches, teachers, babysitters. And, you know, and you just even saying that you talk about the moms and the dads, those are the people that we're supposed to be able to trust. It's mm-hmm. how our bodies are set up. We're supposed to have that good, healthy attachment. And, you know, when you can't trust that, even, you know, as a, as an infant, you know, where does that set you up for the rest of your life? Mm. I would think a pretty scary place. Absolutely. You know, and you said something about, you know, if only it was so easy to understand that the only people we didn't have to trust was strangers. And then I think, but, you know, we kind of do have to trust strangers. Like, 
if I go to Wendy's and I'm like, man, I'm just, mm, I'm craving some of those delicious hot French fries. I have to trust that the people working there have washed their hands. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I have to trust that the food that they're cooking isn't expired. Mm -hmm. That's that's a that's a level of trust. I mean, that's not the deep intimate connection, you know. Or, um, how do we even begin to learn how to trust ourselves to be able to trust others? Because I think it's those are linked. You can't yeah. have one without the other. And I think it's until you begin to trust yourself, not only are you not going to fully be able to trust others, but you're not going to know how to appropriately respond. Um, I feel like we're, it's, it's the whole trust thing again, it gets very complicated, but (laughs) we have to be able to trust ourselves so that we can listen to our bodies and listen to our nervous systems to help us make the best decisions we can on outside sources to trust. Mm-hmm. And I think that that begins with, as we grow, we make choices and see those choices were okay. And they were, they kept us safe. And I think that's how we begin to build that trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. And as you were saying that, I had this vision that kind of came to me. And just in thinking about my own life and thinking about how did I begin to learn to really trust myself? Um, like at a very deep spiritual level, like I trusted myself to make pretty sound decisions like um okay Jennifer you know you want a new car but you can't afford a new car so therefore you're going to have to find something that's within your budget you know what I mean like that's like a as an easy kind of a trusting of my decision making skills and I think it's been within the last six or seven years that I think when I look back it's really gotten deeper and more spiritual and I think as I have worked on healing my childhood wounds and I have worked on connecting to my body, coming back into my body, feeling my feelings as physical sensations within my body and not avoiding the uncomfortable feelings that I don't particularly care for. I think that has really helped for me to develop that intuition, that inner level of trusting of myself, to know that whenever I make a really important choice in life, um, and I'm not talking about like McDonald's versus Wendy's, I'm talking about like Do I challenge a thought or words 
that are being spoken by another person um, as a way of helping them to grow? Or do I become quiet and just allow things to marinate? And that wisdom, that innate trust, that intuition really developed out of learning to trust myself and doing that inward work, um, experiencing those uncomfortable physical sensations that are feelings, that are energy moving throughout my body. Um, and I think back and I'm like, yeah, that's, I think for me, that was the moment. And I'm not saying that is for every human being, obviously, but I do notice in the work we do when a client of mine embodies and comes into their own body and reconnects and stays there in present centered mindfulness, um, they do have agency. They do have a sense of, yes, this is what I need to do. This is what is important for me. Boy, I just talked a lot there. <laughs> you solved the problem. <laughs> you answered the question. <laughs> for me, um, not for everybody, but maybe. <laughs> you know, and I was reflecting as you were speaking about as we learn to trust ourselves, learning to meet our own needs. And that that's what we have to do that first before we can meet the needs of others. Um, you know, and I use this all the time and I'm sure you do too. You know, we have to put our oxygen mask on first before we help someone else. Mm -hmm. For the longest time in my life, I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, if I'm on an airplane and we're going down, I'm going to put it on my kids first, you know, but now being in the place that I'm at, I know that I have to do that first so that I can put it on them. Um, and, you know, I think that oftentimes we end up, instead of meeting our needs, at least I'm going to speak for myself here. I grew up in a way that was very codependent in meeting others' needs to try to get my own fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And never worked <laughs> but yet growing up I felt as if that was what I needed to do was that you know I had to make sure that these people in my life were happy and then I would be okay um, and I think those that have grown up that way and have you know issues with trying to put everybody else first um, it takes a lot of work to step back and start really listening to you and what you need, but it's a whole different world once you truly understand and listen to what your body's saying and what your nervous system's saying, you know, and it's not always easy to speak up with that when, mm -hmm. you know, and growing up in a way where you were, where I was codependent. And then now, you know, I was just the other day, we were in a meeting together and, um, I reflected that didn't set well with my nervous system and it was speaking out when nobody else did. 
And that's difficult, but I felt better within myself knowing that I spoke my truth. Yes, there is so much embodiment of power, confidence, and self-esteem when we stand in our truth and we speak it. You know, knowing that when we speak our truth, not everyone is going to see that perspective or agree with that, right? Right. Um, gosh, I've been in that situation many times. <laughs> and it, it doesn't exactly feel great to the nervous system, like you said. But each time we do speak up for what our needs are, you know, to be listened to, to be heard, uh, oh, same thing, uh, to be seen, to be validated, you know, that is just, I think, one more like piece of the puzzle of coming back into our body and coming back into connection with ourselves. Um, you know, as an individual who is disconnected and has been for probably 80% of my life, um, you know, connecting with others on intimate levels has, has been difficult because I didn't trust myself and then throw in, and I shared this in the last talk we had, you know, um, I had medical trauma, you know, when I was born that caused the disconnection that caused the mistrust and then throw in there. Um, I'm also neurodivergent and my brain is wired differently mm -hmm. than a neurotypical individual and then sometimes I think the way I see things might not be the way others see it so then I'm constantly using my nervous system I'm like with that neuroception of reading the environment and reading the room like am I the only one experiencing this and it's just because I am neurodivergent or what's the body language of the group? What's, what's the pulse of the group? What am I, what is my nervous system taking in? Is it safe? Is it not safe? Um, you know, so then add that flavor and level of spiciness to trust. Um, it's hard. It is so hard. And even now in this pandemic going on year two for the next probably five or 10 years, um, the level of disconnection that we have experienced as a population of humans will make it very hard to reach out and try to connect or reconnect because our nervous system doesn't trust that it's going to be safe. Mm -hmm. There's a whole lot of that. Um, yeah, yeah. It seems to be lessening a little bit now, I think, because more people are vaccinated and feeling safer to get out. Um, but yeah, I believe, I believe that to be a thousand percent true. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you were speaking and you were talking about um, not, we, when we look at not trusting ourselves, when you add on to that, that you have put your trust in someone else, they break it. And how, how much, 
I don't, I'm going to use the word despair because that's what resonates with me, but how much despair that can feel like when you've put this trust in somebody, you don't really trust yourself. And now this is showing you, you can't trust anybody in the world. And I mean, of course you go to dorsal. I mean, why not? I mean, who are you supposed to trust? Mm-hmm. You know, especially if it was someone that, you know, you felt that had your back or and betrayed you in a, in a pretty awful way. And those are the things that can linger with us. You know, they really can. And they show up months or even years later still. Because I think that that energy, and I'm going to use that word, that energy of that emotion of despair, right, gets stuck in our nervous system. And I have always admired and at some points even put upon a pedestal individuals who would be like, well, it appears that um, my trust was misplaced in that person. And so I'm going to work more diligently for the next time. And uh, I'm going to do things a little different. And they just carry on. Yes. You know, and, and I, this is coming from 40, soon to be 46. I keep saying I'm going to be 46 in a couple weeks. Soon to be 46-year-old Jennifer versus 20-year-old Jennifer, right? And I would think, gosh, back in my 20s, how can they do that? Like, I want to just hate this person forever. And then I want to hate myself because, ugh, why the fuck did I trust them? I mm-hmm. should not have done that. You know, shame, shame, shame all over the place. Uh, but now that I'm learning and growing and especially about the nervous system and polyvagal, now I look at it, gosh, I was just walking around with a really dysregulated nervous system that wasn't very resilient, that could take that moment and go, oh, wow, I'm really curious about this whole situation and what led me to, you know, put this trust and how can I just be more gentle with myself in the future and take my time, right? That's a regulated nervous system. But and that I was gave just, me chills when you talked. <laughs> I was just a little raw bundle of nerves, just just being the the best little social worker I could be, you know. Um, but now, as a forty six year old, understanding of polyvagal and understanding that wow, my nervous system is way more regulated now than it ever has been. And that really gives me the confidence to listen to my nervous system, aka my intuition when it says, it's just a feeling or a little voice that says, oh, this doesn't feel right. And I can pay attention now Mm -hmm. and I can be curious because I can get to ventral Mm -hmm. and I can be like, hmm, what, what is this? What am I experiencing? Um, and if I perhaps have given trust a little too freely to someone, how can I place some gentle boundaries or firm up some boundaries that will make me feel more safe and go at a slower pace? 
Ooh, you threw that word out there. <laughs> Boundaries. Yes. So I, I want to ask you because um, I think you are, you have so much insight. You know, when we feel that and we need to, to put some gentle boundaries in there for ourselves, like what would that, you know, how would that look for you? That's a really good question. So the way it has looked for me, like I'm going to use the past two years because that's what I've really, as you well know, have really gone down that rabbit hole of polyvagal in the nervous mm-hmm. system. So what it's looked like for me is when I gave my trust a little too much and I noticed like in the, the pit, and I'm closing my eyes, they can't see me right now, but I'm closing my eyes to re-embody that feeling so I can explain it to the best of my ability. In like the pit of my stomach, there was like this dull sensation. It wasn't painful. It wasn't uncomfortable. It was just like a dull, like a thud. And it was like, hmm, why am I feeling a little resentful? Why am I feeling a little taken advantage of? Why am I feeling like maybe I'm being a little used in this moment? And that's when I was able to say, you know, where am I in my nervous system? I wasn't in ventral, obviously. I wasn't feeling safe or connected. Mm-hmm. So then I had to determine, am I in sympathetic? Am I wanting to run away, which is my normal? That's my home away from home is sympathetic, is, is flight. I mm-hmm. mean, I probably was a track star a lifetime ago, <laughs> you know. Um, and in my profile of a nervous system under sympathetic, the thoughts that I have quite often are GTFO, get the fuck out because mm-hmm. I want to run. Mm-hmm. So I just name where I am in my nervous system. I'm in sympathetic, I'm in flight mode. And then I think, what do I need to do to work my way up the ladder to climb up so I can get to ventral where I have the ability to think better I have the ability to become curious. I have the ability to have compassion. So I do my deep breathing. Um, That helps me. And then when I'm there, I'm like, okay. I'm feeling this level of resentment and I'm curious about it. Why am I resenting Sally? Mm -hmm. I like Sally. Sally is a friend. Um, I enjoy spending time with Sally and I'm just curious, what is this resentment about? Hmm. You know, the more I think about it a few weeks ago, Sally wanted to borrow a book and I was right in the middle of reading that book. I'm curious now. What made me lend that book out when I really didn't want to, maybe? Mm. Hmm. 
Is it because I had a problem saying no, because I really like Sally? Is it because I didn't want Sally to get mad because anger scares me? Um, is it maybe I've trusted her too much because I see the way she doesn't respect her own personal belongings? Mm -hmm. And what if that happens to my book? What if my book comes back tattered or a page torn or coffee spilled? Hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, hmm. How can I, in this moment, show compassion for myself for maybe trusting a little too quickly, a little too much? And then in the future, if Sally wants to borrow something, so I won't have these uncomfortable feelings. What can I say to Sally um, that will make my needs known and I'll feel safe and I feel like I can continue to build trust? I think I can probably tell Sally, you know, I'm really uncomfortable loaning you my book in this moment. I would really like to maybe build some more trust. Now that sounds okay. That doesn't sound harsh. That doesn't sound mean. That doesn't sound nasty. That sounds gentle. And I'm not over explaining myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of what it looks like. The way I work through that. And I, I want people to know that that doesn't happen overnight. That is not an expectation. That is just the way my brain works and my nervous system, because I'm able to work my way up the ladder to ventral. So I can have a curious um, desire to figure out and really lean into those feelings. Mm -hmm. I love that you use the word curiosity, like to approach it, like, I wonder why, or I wonder what that's about. And I think that that's so much of the work we need to do is we need to just start questioning it. You know, mm -hmm. why is it that this hurt that happened 10 years ago over a mistrust, why does it still bother me? Mm -hmm. Why is it that, you know, a wide variety of things and, to be able to start looking at that in a way that is non-judgmental, has compassion, let no shame involved, just curiosity. And mm -hmm. to try to look at, okay, maybe, maybe it was this or that. And to just kind of sit with it and allow yourself to work through where it came from. Mm -hmm. And then once you know it, then you can work on healing it. Mm -hmm. And for me, I mean, resentment, that is a feeling that I do not enjoy. I do not like it. Um, 
but for me, it is one of the clues personally that if I'm feeling resentment, that's a trigger. And that means I feel like maybe I'm being taken advantage of, or I feel like my trust is being violated. And so that is that feeling for me that helps me to go, oh, there that is. Okay, let's, let's, you know, look at this. And, um, you know, as a young child, um, as we all have traumas in our childhood, we just do. It's a part of life. Um, but I learned at a young age that I couldn't trust. And so how that shows up in my adult life is um, several years ago when um, I met my now husband and we were dating, uh, I put him through tests. Like, are you trustworthy? You know, and uh, I will be the first to admit as 46 year old Jennifer, that's not healthy. You know, that's not kind, that's not nice. That's not loving. Um, but I, I didn't even know about the nervous system and this capacity. And I didn't understand that I wasn't feeling safe. And so I would put him through tests to determine, can I trust you? You know, like um, I would leave my phone out and open. Right. And, you know, what do you look through my phone? Um. I would not return a text for like eight to 10 hours just to see how he responded, you know? And in the past, if somebody was like constantly bugging me and like, Hey, where are you? What's wrong? Did I do something wrong? Blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, done. I'm not going to date you anymore. You know, um, I would tell him things and then I would bring it back up like six weeks later, just to see if he remembered like, were you listening to me? You know, and that is an unhealed version, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how it shows up in our adult lives. My unhealed version would have been the one like blowing your phone up of, oh, you know, why aren't you talking to me? Are you mad at me? What's going on? <laughs> so you would have hated me. <laughs> Marcy, I would not have dated you. I would have ended that relationship. <laughs> <laughs> not compatible (laughs) no right that's how yeah but that's how mistrust shows up in our adult lives people don't probably think about that it goes back to what we were talking about prior to and you've mentioned it prior to this podcast and then you mentioned it a little bit earlier but goes back to those three things that we need out of childhood Mm -hmm. you know to be seen to be listened to and to be validated Mm -hmm. and you know, I, as a child was, I didn't get validation. And so I sought validation through others. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, you know, I've had to do so much work on and that I don't have to have that validation that I can trust me mm-hmm. and I can validate my own damn self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so learning that we can 
I'm going to say this word. It just kind of popped into my head. Learning in my forties that I can mother myself. Yes. I can heal my own wounds. Right. With the help of a great therapist. I'm just going to say that too. Yes. Because <laughs> exceptional therapists go to therapy yes um I think that's been a nice like landing place in my nervous system um I also think that by healing that which no longer serves us and allowing it to be processed in our brains and put into storage where we get to choose if we want to think about it or not. Like that's what I think the beauty of EMDR is really does allow, I think for more of those neural pathways of connection to, to just grow even stronger. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I still, even with, you know, my 20 years of self-healing and journey and work I I just I too struggle with trust you know because there's a that little that little voice of doubt that all of us have okay I've done I've done a great job I'm doing great and I'm doing my work and what if I still misplace my trust then what exactly then what But I think it's like what you said earlier, you know, it's a realization that may, that you gave too freely Mm -hmm. and how can I now put some boundaries in place to allow my nervous system to feel okay. And also in a kind way to the, to the human that we're interacting with. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think that's what the key is, you know, and it's just, it's being able to recognize, okay, I feel icky. Why do I feel icky? Or I feel, I, I like the, the thud that you said, because mm-hmm. that's almost like what I think when you were describing it, like, it's like this thing in your pit of your stomach. That's like, it just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, I, I think the more curious we are, the more questions we ask, then the better we become with it. Mm-hmm. And and even, you know, I'm sure even like guru therapists that have done this and done their work, and I'm sure that there are times that they probably still misplace their trust. You know, sometimes we get it, we get it wrong, but... We do handle it. There you go. That is the whole key. It's like, and I think about how would the old version of me respond in that moment versus the, the, the me now. Um, And in life. And I think I just kind of have accepted that there are going to be master manipulators, right? There are going to be people. Um who probably will get one over on me, you know, Mm -hmm. that says nothing about me or my character. It's just, uh, oh, 
there's a blip. Well, and I think also we go through periods where we're more vulnerable, even on our journey of trying to be the health, healthiest we can. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes that's when we have these people, I don't know, you know, and, and maybe it comes from a, a very innocent place and then they're not being a master manipulator. But I think that's how we can sometimes get into the more toxic relationship for our nervous system when we are at that more vulnerable point. Mm-hmm. You're right. That vulnerability says a lot. And, uh, you know, and thinking about a regulated nervous system versus a dysregulated nervous system, a dysregulated nervous system at that point would be in that sympathetic response of fight, flight, freeze, or fawn and creating a story, as Brene Brown would say, the story that I have created that goes along with this moment is Mm -hmm. that I trusted too much. I trusted too freely. You screwed me over. And now I can't trust anyone and to hell with the world. I'm going to do it all on my own. Mm-hmm. That's a dysregulated versus a regulated nervous system. The way that that story might go that we tell ourselves is when we can climb the ladder to ventral from a place of learning, creativity, compassion. Hmm. So maybe I gave a little too much too quickly. Maybe I was really enamored with their energy and feeling a little uncomfortable. And so the story I'm going to tell myself is I'm going to give myself permission to place some boundaries. I'm going to give myself the grace and the compassion to see this as a learning moment. And I'm going to come back home in my nervous system to where I feel safe. And I'm, I'm going to do that work. Mm-hmm. Knowing that not all people are bad. There are trustworthy people in this world. And I do have the ability to learn how to trust another person. Mm -hmm. Boy, what a difference in stories that we create. Now, I think you also need to look at, you know, if you are in a dysregulated state and in a relationship of trust, and they're in a dysregulated state, it's, it's not going, that's not the recipe for good energy to keep going. No, that to me would embody a relationship filled with accusations, demands, ultimatums. Um, That's what that would that's what my nervous system would say would when two dysregulated nervous systems show up with mistrust, you know, and it's a story of, um, you did me wrong. No, you did me wrong. Um, yeah, that's how that kind of, I feel. Yeah. And think shows up, you know, 
I just had this thought going back to the way when I said the different stories from a sympathetic versus a ventral. Um, I probably bypass dorsal because it's not my favorite nervous system state, a dysregulated dorsal. I love regulated dorsal because regulated dorsal allows me to rest and rejuvenate and repair and just be nice and hmm, still. But I think a story of trusting or having mistrust in ourselves and trusting too freely from a dorsal story state might sound something like this. Um, they took advantage of me. It's all their fault because I'm a victim. I'm vulnerable. The world is evil. The world it's too overwhelming and there are no people who are trustworthy. What yep. do you think about that? It really hits my nervous system hard. Hmm. Um, when yeah i'm almost at a loss for words because i'm 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 feeling that mm -hmm. you know and as i was saying those words like i noticed a shift within me too like i, I to be able to say those words and to feel them it is i have i do go into that dorsal place mm -hmm. and it's heavy and it's overwhelming and it, it seems dreary and dark and gray. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of like the picture in my mind. <laughs> and now this is making me chuckle, um, which is moving me up my ladder, but I kind of think of Eeyore. Mm -hmm. And I see you smiling right now and you're like, oh yeah, from Winnie the Pooh. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, I hate Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> the only Disney characters I really don't like is Winnie the Pooh. Oh, they're my favorite because we can see ourselves in each of them. Yeah. But yeah, that's that dorsal is heavy. And, you know, yeah. I never I never thought about it till we just started talking. But gosh, what are the stories that we create from this? nervous system state that we're currently residing in what do those stories sound like from each state perspective you know yeah and what I share doesn't mean everyone it's just in this moment as I was talking that through that that's the way it sh would show up in my life that's what it would sound like yeah it, it very much resonated with me so um and you know that's the I think that's the beauty of you doing this podcast and the beauty of us being able to work with people in connections is because you never know what someone's words are going to have an effect on you and what curiosity it's going to bring about mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know and I am the first to admit you know, in my home with my kids, 
you know, I don't have the answers. I, I don't do it right majority of the time. But this is what I'm trying to do to get me to the best place I can. Mm-hmm. And so I think having that awareness and insight and ability to be vulnerable with others that I myself am on a journey to mm-hmm. um, is helpful. Yes, it is helpful, right? It's, um, it's being able, and I said this a few weeks ago when I did a training out at OCTC, which here in, in, in Owensboro, Kentucky is Owensboro Community and Technical College. And I said, what if we begin to tell ourselves that the people that we meet every day, whether we engage in interaction or it's just a smile as we pass by, what if we begin to tell ourselves, gosh, darn it, you know, that person, they're doing the best they can at this moment. Mm -hmm. And if I can extend that compassion to a stranger, what if I begin to tell myself every day, write it on a sticky note, whatever, Mm -hmm. put it on my computer, an alert that pops up, something, what if I begin to tell myself, gosh darn it, Jennifer, you're doing the best you can in this moment. Wow. That's liberating. Yes. It is. And to know that we're all doing the best we can, we mm-hmm. all struggle, and we're not regardless of what our level of trust is, we're not alone. We have, we have opportunities to connect with others. Yes. And for some of us, the thought of connecting with another human being at this moment in our life might be too scary, right? That's not safe. So what if we connected with an animal. Oh, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. What, what if we connected with nature? Mm-hmm. You know, um, even if that animal for you is a goldfish, just watching, you know, your fish swim back and forth. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a pet turtle. Maybe it's a cat, a sugar glider, a dog. Maybe it's a chicken. Maybe it's a donkey, you know, whatever. What if, what if connecting with an animal is the first step for, for you to build connection and trust, mm-hmm. right? And then, or maybe nature, maybe it's, You know, maybe I don't have the energy to go outside and go on a walk. Or maybe the weather is not right, right? Okay. What if I just close my eyes and create a forest and see my feet walking on the ground? Mm -hmm. Or bring up on YouTube and just watch a video of somebody taking a walk. The brain 
guess what? Brain doesn't know the difference between Mm -hmm. you actually walking and you watching. It doesn't. It just knows you're connecting in nature. I think that's why one of my favorite TikTokers whom I have just thoroughly enjoyed watching is Squirrel Dialogues. And I believe he's a therapist and he has puppets of different woodland creatures. And the woodland creatures, AKA the squirrel, really reflects back to him as he's walking in nature about his problems, his worries. And it's very much about grounding and regulating the nervous system. I just wrote that down. I'm gonna have to go look for him. Yeah. You know, so maybe people are too scary. I get it. I understand, especially right now. Mm-hmm. Well, what about connecting with an animal or nature? That might be less scary to the nervous system. And I think that's an important point because there are definitely points in our lives where it is too scary for that human connection. Mm-hmm. But still seeking a connection to help regulate is important. Yeah, and that builds trust. You know, there are many, um, many animals in our world that have also been abused, right? Mm-hmm. Or abandoned or forgotten. Um, and I can't help but think in the world of neurobiology, that when two nervous systems come together, it doesn't matter if it's human, human, or human animal, animals have nervous systems just like we do. And when they come together, they start to Mm co-regulate and trust begins to build because the two nervous systems say, Hey, I feel safe. Like I I watched some of those videos um, on Facebook with saving paws rescue or something like that. And they Mm -hmm. show, and they show where people foster pets and bring them in. And, you know, the pets don't trust at first. They keep to themselves. They look sad. They're very dorsal, Mm -hmm. you know, they won't eat. They don't move. And then that shows the progression over the several couple of weeks. And it's, yes, they're being shown kindness, which is important and love. But I think more importantly that people aren't, talking about thinking about knowing about is this because nervous systems are co-regulating mm-hmm. and allowing the trust to come yes. Ooh, I just got tingles yes <laughs> allowing the trust to come oh there's a big <laughs> word in there allowing because your nervous system feels safe. And when our nervous system feels safe, there's so much that we can conquer. Mm -hmm. Like right now, I'm definitely in ventral. I feel yummy. I feel safe. And I feel connected to you in this moment. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Well, my friend, our time is coming to a close. And we're ending on a very 
um, beautiful place in our nervous system. Yeah. Uh, definitely. <laughs> Full circle. We started out dorsal and now we. <laughs> and guess what? That is the way our nervous system was created to mm -hmm. do throughout the day in and out of all the states. Yeah. Well, Marcy, I can't thank you enough for walking on this journey with me. I'm glad to have been a part of it. <laughs> Absolutely. And so um, just want to wish happy holidays to everyone out there, because when this hits the Weber highways, interweb highways, it'll be um, around the Christmas season. And so um, for any of us in this world that are um, celebrating any holidays in the month of December, I just want to extend a warm, beautiful holiday wish of peace and joy and love and compassion and um, working toward a regulated nervous system. <laughs> so Marcy, thanks for joining. And uh, as always, our listeners out there, stay frosty this winter. And uh, we'll see you back in January. Well, we made it to the end of our episode. We want to thank you for listening. We also want to thank VOCA for funding our podcast. VOCA stands for Victims of Crime Act. This project was supported by grant number VOCA 2020 Green River 00026 awarded through the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet by the United States Department of Justice. The opinions, findings, conclusions, and recommendations expressed in this publication, program, exhibition are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet or the U.S. Department of Justice. We also want to give a big shout out and a thank you to Seth Hedges of Uriah Wild Media. He is the amazing individual who created the beautiful music for our podcast. We thank you so much, Seth. I'm going to encourage you to go check out his stuff. He's pretty talented and awesome. You can find him at www.uriahwild.com. That's www.uriahwild.com. And finally, we want to give a really special shout out to Rodney Newton for being our amazing technical advisor. He has spent several Saturdays and days throughout the week to help us get this podcast up and going. Rodney, you are our captain. And finally, we hope that you'll take something you heard today and change the world tomorrow. Join us next time on Start By Listening. And as always, please remember that New Beginnings is here for you to listen or help 24 hours a day. Just give us a call, 1-800-226-7273.